Here is a great chance to gain insights into how to build big businesses and what mistakes can and should be avoided. Not only is this podcast the brainchild of the brand called You, it is also an HT Smartcast original and it is available on htsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Today we have a really accomplished entrepreneur who was a manager earlier. Purnima Vardhan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Purnima is the founder and CEO of 335th. She was an investment banker. She's an MBA from Wharton. And she was at LSE and from St. Stephen's. So Purnima, tell me a little bit about your early career. You know, in my earlier life, as I like to call it, I was an out-and-out maths and finance professional. So I, in my undergraduate, I studied mathematics from St. Stephen's. Then I went on to do applicable mathematics, which is operational research from the London School of Economics. And then after that, I was working in Ernst Young for a period of about two years where I was looking at sort of standard operating procedures for building businesses. So basically the building blocks of any business. And then I went on to study finance and accounting at Gordon. And after that, I think one of the things that I really was interested in was accounting and finance. So I started working with UBS Investment Bank in the m team in New York. And, you know, after that, that was sort of my previous life. And after that, I sort of uh, took a call that I always wanted to start my own business. And I was looking for ideas. And I think the consumer space at that time in India was very interesting because the, obviously the consumer preferences, the disposable income and all the economic, you know, the macro data is really in favor of the consumer segment in India. And I think that's a space that I personally find very interesting. So I sort of decided to leave my job and then move back and sort of work on my own business. You moved back and you set up... 335th. Yeah. Fascinating name. Thank you. Tell me about the name. You know, I I am a numbers person, first of all. So I love numbers. I love numbers a lot more than yeah. I like names. So I think um, when I was thinking of uh, a name, I was looking at, you know, I wanted something more global because it's something that I want to look at from a global perspective, not just an Indian perspective. Mm-hmm. I wanted a gender neutral name because also like I do we would be expanding into different segments, etc. So I always wanted that. And so 335th was the address at where I sort of took that decision um, that, you know, I'm going to actually quit my job and sort of start my entrepreneurial journey. So I think that's the essence and that's the significance of 335. You know, when I first saw 335th, I thought I was misleading because you were in the US. I thought this was something from you know, 35th and 3rd or something. <laughs> You know, very Manhattan kind of. It is very Manhattan because it was in New York at the time because I was living in New York. But, um, you know, it also has a very, as I said, like it's a very global name. It's a very, and also from a marketing perspective, it's a much more recallable name. Even though people butcher the name, they call it 365, Mm -hmm. 355 Mm -hmm. and all that. But they still remember 335th. You know, they remember that there's a brand called 335th versus if I call it Purnamar, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. slightly more common name. So I find it very interesting. So that was the reason behind calling it 335th. Interesting. The brand has evolved yeah. ever since you 
you started? How are you positioning your brand now? Yes, when we started, we wanted to focus on sort of the office wear market that we started with. However, over the last five years that you know we've been in business, I've understood the market really well, and I think what we are looking at doing is we're sort of looking at the Indian ethnic wear women's market, and it's a fifteen billion market today, yeah. and it's growing. It's going to be a fifty billion dollar market in the next twenty years, and then so you know that's really the soft spot for us, and we're looking at establishing and creating a bridge to luxury brand in that segment specifically for women's wear. That's what we're targeting. So help me understand what is the meaning of bridge to luxury. So you know, right now, although in the last fifteen to twenty years, that all the growth we've seen in the consumer side for apparel has been in the sort of two thousand to eight thousand rupees range, which is so below two thousand, we call it the mass range, which is at two thousand to eight thousand is, is the premium. So what we're targeting is bridge to luxury, sort of it's a luxurious experience, it's a fashion forward experience where you know one of the problems in India or one of the things that's missing in in the Indian fashion scene or the apparel scene is that what you see on the ramp is not really reaching the mass. and we want to change that we want to connect the ramp to the road as we call it and you know so really bringing people to sort of try and you know wear things that they see on the ramp and according and on a slightly more bigger mass scale than just you know just celebrities or like the top 1 or 5.5% of the country and i think that's what the idea behind bridge to luxury is we our price points remain between 10000 to about 40000 rupees that's like the segment that we are targeting interesting I've been involved in building brands, yeah. and you know, brands are very, very tough to build. Very tough. What have been some of your challenges as you have built three thirty fifth? I mean, you didn't mention people massacred the name. You know, I think the biggest challenge is building a brand, as you would know, takes a lot of time. Correct. It's not something you can build overnight. You know. Um, you can get pr and you can do all of that but that's like one off you know or even on a consistent basis with building a brand takes years and i think that's been and i'm an impatient person because you know just today our generation is such yeah, that we look yeah. at like a oh, person in a hurry yeah you know and i think that's been the biggest learning that you know it's not something that can be done overnight and that's why brands create such a once you create that brand you can charge such a premium even yeah. not just in terms of pricing but even in terms of valuation and looking at the kind of exits that internationally fashion or you know retail has been getting so you know it's very tough it's it's a long term game mm-hmm. i think the way to think about it is that it building a brand is a long term game mm-hmm. it's not for people who are looking at a short term mm-hmm. you know coming to the business and sort of exit it's not something that that's going to happen which we've seen because that's the reason why a lot of e-commerce companies that started in the space as well have already crashed and burned because This is a long, like this is a fifteen to twenty year business horizon. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's interested in doing a little less, like I, I would not recommend. And I get a lot of people asking, you know, they want to start a business, and I tell them the same thing that you know, if you're interested in this segment in the fashion of business, uh, in the business of fashion, sorry, then you're looking at a long term horizon because that's the amount of time it takes to create a brand and sort of get that, you know. So I think that's the biggest learning that I've had. And you know, talking of fashion, yeah. now fashion is. constantly evolving constantly changing how do you manage to stay ahead of the curve i mean you know suddenly you have different colors suddenly you have different styles suddenly something changes oh you know it's very interesting when you talk about fashion in india so the one thing that in india we don't have is we don't have trends according to that specific season mm-hmm. so if you compare the indian indian market versus the international market international market actually moves very fast because you have seasons and everyone yeah. buys according to the season yeah. india doesn't you don't have that problem in india and you don't have that kind of behavior in india because 
people are looking when they invest you know most of the buying most of the high ticket buying happens around events so marriages mm-hmm. and functions yeah. and social festivals. events social get, mm-hmm. gatherings festivals etc yeah. you know one is obviously there are certain trends so you have all of that like all those are research reports and you can do a lot of research on what is going on in the international market versus indian market also we are very strong in season so in in india it's so hot most of the year that there's certain color palettes that okay. work and also so you know we have our own sense of style we have our own aesthetic we have our own sort of language of design and we incorporate changes based on the seasons based on certain festivals based on what we are who we are targeting and you know we experiment a little bit so that's how we really stay ahead of the game and you know over the last two decades yeah. I mean, there is the, of course the, the traditional set of office wear that all people do wear but has this evolved or changed over the last two decades because i certainly see young people i'm not i'm nothing i have no knowledge of fashion but i certainly see where you know much more western influence coming into office wear you know it's there are a couple of things i think there's a there are a lot of changes first of all i think this is also very lifestyle related western where it's easy to iron it's easy to manage just like the west so you know now that people are moving away from homes they're getting you know they're working in corporate offices and for example gurgaon they don't have that kind of time to sort of or there's no one at home to help them you know because cotton kurtas yeah, and they take yeah, a lot of up, yeah. you know keeping and stuff so i think western influence is just coming in through a price sensitivity so you can create something which is much cheaper so you know the fast fashion models really hit india as well because india is a very value conscious market so you know that works really well for india and i think that's that's one of the reasons that sort of you've seen this change in the way people are dressing secondly i think just the lifestyle changes that we've had now people have to take a metro they have to you know they have to travel and it's you know just creasing it's that it's much easier and yeah. much more in much more easier to and just practical, like. practical to wear yeah. all of that kind of stuff yeah. having said that do i think that indian ethnic wear will be less because western influence i don't think mm-hmm. so i think there's also it's very strongly entrenched in our system it's also like i feel more comfortable wearing as a varkuta to a meeting than sometimes you know like so i think different different kind of i think demographic different kind of jobs different kind of lifestyle sort of dictate what kind of clothes you're wearing correct and a couple more questions on 335 yeah. before i move on how do you see the rural customer yeah adapting aspirationally to 335 so i obviously i'm a city girl right i've lived i've been born and raised in uh, delhi i've lived in london and i've lived in new york and i've lived in philly for a little bit of time so i you know when the sort of this talk about tier 2 tier 3 cities come i was when i started i had no idea like i really had no idea but i'm constantly amazed at the kind of potential the kind of aspiration and the kind of interest people have even the smaller cities so i'll give you a very small example you know we have now we have a point of sale in siliguri and it does fabulously for us it does better than you know kolkata does for us you know so it's like I think you just have to find the right distribution points. It sort of also it takes a lot of trial and error. So I think it's I wouldn't call it rural actually because they're actually really urban. It's not the rural. Yeah. Rural has become tier six now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're looking at Ranchi, you're looking at Bhopal, you're looking at Raipur, you're looking at Nagpur. These are all cities with a lot of and we have distribution in all these cities. It's a, a there is a lot of capacity mm. to consume. certain kind of luxury products especially if you give them really good service i think that's that's something that you know people have 
brand has not been able to do actually give the, offer them style offer them at an affordable price but but also offer them a certain service that people like you know and we do that and we do fabulously well in these cities i was myself amazed at the kind of response in these smaller cities jaipur udaipur but you know i'm i'm i mean i'm amazed and i think there's a huge potential that you know i think we're already working towards and we have distribution points in a lot of these cities but i'm i i think i i really think that the real growth is going to come out of there you know india in delhi bombay these are very saturated cities and there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of market but some of the smaller cities people are not targeting and i think those are very interesting for us as a distribution point interesting they are price conscious and value conscious though so I mean, only one person may buy something upwards of a twenty to five lakh rupee garment. Mm-hmm. But like, if you if you price it right between, I say ten and forty, I think uh, I I personally think there's a lot of yeah 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 absolutely. Yes. So uh, put over one more question, and that's about uh, millennials. Yeah. You know, how are millennials changing the fashion business or the bridge to luxury business? You know. It's interesting. So we we work in the Indian ethnic wear market, and I think not a lot of it has changed because of the millennials. Yeah, you can add a little bit of more styling and trims and trims, etc. But otherwise, I think it's very interesting that the Indian ethnic wear market specifically has been foolproof. Like there's not there there have been very little changes. Yeah, the size silhouettes have changed and colors have changed. People have stopped. You know, most of the weddings are now day weddings, so people have stopped wearing very Heavy, stuff. heavy yeah. dark colored, ornate stuff that used to be there. There is a certain segment that still wears that, but however, like the general broader trend is toward lighter, you know, softer colors, pastels, etc. So, in that context, I think the Indian ethnic wear market, which still remains the same and is just growing, mm-hmm. you know, actually very synonymous to the regional newspaper market. You know, that is not you know because just because newspapers English newspapers are not being consumed in the right. same way that doesn't mean that regional newspapers are in fact doing much better right. it's the same I think with the Indian ethnic wear market where you have you have everyone everyone's consuming now because there's a lot more disposable income people are aspirational so the one interesting thing that has changed because of the millennials is they're very aspirational you know they just don't want to go to Chami Chok and pick up something mm-hmm. or something but they want a certain kind of quality they want a certain kind of service they want to you know they want to go to a next store they want to feel they want to have that experience when they're buying something okay. from a brand i think that is really changing you know okay. earlier people used to make their own clothes etc but now you know the hassle of doing all of that it's very expensive secondly i think people are really looking for the experiences you know so i think that has changed because of the millennials yeah, well, that's very well said kurma thank you very much thank you. you know it's been such a pleasure speaking to you i wish 335th huge amount of success thank you and as you mentioned i sincerely hope you never see any failure <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Brand Called You, and never miss any update. For feedback, reach us on at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts by The Brand Called You, log on to www.htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was an HT Smartcast original. HT Smartcast.